morning, everyone. Well, I'm excited to have you all here uh, for this session. Uh, one of the things I woke up, I wake up early often, uh, and I was just lying in bed this morning, and I just really was thinking about salvation and how much uh, the message of salvation is just so much more than just Jesus. You know, the, the gospel is the is about really a father who lost his children and he wanted them back and he sent his son to die on the cross to bring us back into relationship uh, with our father and uh, and he did everything possible for to make that happen and uh, it's just uh, and you you have a father you have somebody that really wants to father you and love you all the time and Jesus has made that way possible for us. I, uh, I first heard this message in 2012 at an school and then repeated that in 2017. And uh, I met uh, these wonderful people down here. I, I met Richard and Ia, and I met our speaker this, evening, uh, that's this morning, Dust Subramaniam Ayam. I, I think I've got that right, have I? Well, Dust is actually from uh, Malaysia. Uh, goes around the world and often teams up with uh, Richard Nia for, for the A schools and uh, uh, has just really blessed uh, myself and many others uh, as he speaks the message of the Father. And uh, I had a friend recently who came all the way from New Zealand uh, and uh, he's just uh, singing praises about Richard and Nia and, and Das. I know all the glory has to go to the Father, but. There is an anointing on both uh, all these people. And uh, so I just want you to uh, warmly welcome Das up this morning as uh, he comes to speak the message. So. Just give a minute, let me organize myself here a little bit. I was outside and I coming in and I was wondering if people can really see me because it looked very dark. <laughs> but uh, this is really what you, what you say, you know, that you are put in spotlight. I think that's what happens right now. I, you guys can see me, but I like to see you too. Yeah, yeah great. Um, as Bruce said, my name is Das. I come from Malaysia and um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Rani. And she right now enjoying BC, not very far. It's this beyond BC, yeah? yeah. That's right. And uh, she's right now in uh, Langley. I have, uh, we have three children, and our son is Ezra. He's 27 years old, and he's studying in uh, um, San Diego in US. So he came up here last Monday to be with his sisters. Uh, we have a daughter studying in uh, BC, in Vancouver. Uh, she graduated as a counselor, and she's pursuing a, a degree. Counselor, uh, just going through all that she's gone through being a, uh, my daughter, and uh, she chose a good profession, so no one will have to go through what she has gone through in her life. And uh, she's 25 years old, wonderful young woman. She's still single, so uh, just promoting my daughter here. And I also have a, a beautiful uh, young daughter and our, our second daughter. 
She's 23 years old. Uh, she lives in a, a city that is uh, packed with wind. It's called Winnipeg, I think. <laughs> uh, a windy, full of winter, I think. Uh, she lives there and she's been studying uh, English and uh, wanted to be a writer. Um, so uh, I have a good, great friends here from Winnipeg, Jason and Teresa. They've been uh, amazing uh, parents to my daughter. That's been great. So thank you, Canada, for inviting my daughters and giving them good education. I want to say thank you for your generosity as a nation. And we are blessed by it. So I'm really looking forward to go and meet my wife and my beautiful children this week. I've been away from my wife since two, since uh, 27th of, uh, oh, July. That, that's a long time. So, yeah, great to be here. I want to thank you for, um, Jesse, for trusting. Uh, you know, you don't know me, you never met me, and uh, if it goes very well, give thanks to the Father. If it didn't go very well, blame Bruce, you know? <laughs> That's the way it happens, yeah? So let me start off sharing my little bit of my story, and you get to know who I am. Uh, well, the reason I tell my story is so you know who I am, and also in the process, you begin to understand my English. You know, so I'm, I'm not an English, so you know that, so I don't speak English. Uh, I speak a, a Tamil, that's my mother tongue, and I speak a Malay, that's my national language, and I understand a little bit of Chinese and a little bit of uh, Amharic, that's an Ethiopian language. So English is my, I'm still learning. So if you don't understand what I'm saying, please ask your neighbor, and if they don't understand, you know, you guys can agree and pray together. Uh, in agreement, you will have a revelation. Um, you know, I, I was born in, a, uh, in Malaysia. My parents are Malaysian. They born there. My grandparents came from India, um, South India. That's what I got the color from. Um, I came to know Jesus when I was 16 years old. That was the most uh, wonderful thing happened in my life when I was 16. By the time I was 16, I already decided to... Uh, uh, give my life back to God willingly by my own effort. That is trying to uh, commit suicide, try to take my life when I was uh, uh, 12 years old. And that's not an easy thing for a little boy to decide. And one of the reasons I decided to take my life, you know, even though I grew up with, uh, I have a, including myself, we have seven siblings and I have my parents who loved me and uh, as much they know, as much they can, they're not perfect. We'll talk about it more this week. But, uh, Somewhere in my heart, I began to believe that I was not wanted, I was not belong, I was not welcome in many things that happened in my life, something that says that you are not belong. And that's where I lived my life. At the age of 12, I said, that's enough of this life. I've lived long enough to go through the, everything I've gone through in my life. And, um, but when I was 12, I, I tried to take my life and ended up in the hospital for two weeks. And by the, amazing, by the grace of God, and uh, that I'm still alive, and I'm becoming more alive every day, uh, every day of my life, uh, it, life began to uh, flow and began to uh, just God bringing me life again every day, uh, even today, you know, has been that for me. Um, but when I was 16, somebody told me about Jesus, and uh, I was not very sure. But very soon after that, I received Jesus into my life. And uh, by the age of 18, I become evangelist in my church. And I thought, I know Jesus. I've experienced him in my life. He's my savior. 
He has given his life for me, and I you know when he came to my life, I experienced a hope, I experienced love, and I said, This is real. I want everybody in the world to know this. Even though you don't want to hear me what I have to say. I say, I don't care, I have to say to you, you need to know that. So I went house to house and village to village and you know, uh, uh, talk about uh, Jesus. And you know, I come from a very evangelical church. So in that time in my denomination, there was not much about the Holy Spirit. So in, in a short while after I become a Christian, and Jesus was so real, I began to read the scriptures. My desire is that I wanted to be like Jesus. And I want to do the work that Jesus did. And that was my, my whole thing about without knowing who Jesus is. You know, I know him as my savior, and that's the only thing I know him. I know him in this miracle. I know him He's a good preacher. I know him, you know, he raised the dead people. And I want to do all the things that he did without really knowing him as a person. And that's been my Christian life until 15 years ago. You know, I've been, I've been a, a, a ministry. Um, you know, I came into full-time ministry in 1991. And I've been a, a missionary and been a, a director for a Christian organization. I know I travel the world and been a missionary in Africa. I've done all these things. But I have to say to you today, until 15 years ago, I know what Jesus said. I know what Jesus performed. I copy that. I preach that. I have seen miracles. I've seen, you know, people got killed. I've seen, you know, people get slain by the Spirit. I've seen demons be cast out. I have experienced all that. Still, I did not know who Jesus really is. I know the Word is the Son of God. I know He's my Savior. I've experienced His saving grace in my life. I know Him as my Savior. That's it. Then I come to know the Holy Spirit in my early days in my life. By the age of 20, I began to experience, encounter Holy Spirit in an amazing way. I remember going for this youth, youth, uh, youth uh, meeting, and I had a deep conviction in my heart in a way. I thought it's a conviction of sin, but I look back now, I had a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but what I experienced was baptism in love. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that the Spirit of God has been poured, that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit that we have received. I do not have a clue. You see, I received the Holy Spirit in my life, and I thought about the power of God. I thought about the sign, I thought about the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I wanted that, I walked into that, but it's still without knowing the substance of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's a different thing that we know. And, and, and Father began to bring me to, into my life. I came into, uh, in 2005 came, I was in Africa, and, and being a director of organization, being a regional leader in Africa, and I come into my life and I realize the Christianity that I believe since I was 18 years old, uh, 16 years old, now I'm in my 40s, but now 52, so minus 15 years from now you find them. I'm not good at numbers. So I come into this time in my life, I've been a full-time ministry, I've traveled the world, I've seen power of God manifest, I've seen the Holy Spirit move in meetings, I've experienced God using me, but in 2005, everything that I believe about God, everything I believe about Jesus did not work for me within. My Christian life become a routine. 
my Bible reading becomes something I have to do. Going to worship, something I have to do. Attending the church, something I must do. It's, it's, I, when I started my journey with Jesus, I did not do it because I have to do. I did it because something in my heart was touched. I wanted to do. I wanted to worship Him. The reason I worshiped, worshiped Him because He had touched my heart. In the depth of my heart, I want to respond to His love. Nobody told me to worship Him. I just sang this sing song that I know. I remember I was walking at night for, for alone as a little boy walking back as a teenager at dark. I sang worship all the songs that I remember. I just worshipped him with a sad heart of gratefulness. But slowly the religion has stolen that away from me. It becomes something you must do to please God. I forgot. Because that's what religion says. It steals the joy of salvation. And I've been a religious prick. I've been there. I thought I know Jesus. I thought I know the Holy Spirit. In 2015, everything that I believe collapsed and you know, I failed in every, every way that I can. In the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my failure, in the midst of my depression, I began to hear the voice of the Father. You see, I know God as a father, as a, as a, as a title, as someone up there in a position, sitting in heaven, one day I'm going to meet him, and literally I don't want to. Because everything that people have told me, everything that theology have told me was, he's an angry guy, be careful with him. <laughs> he's a judge, he's going to make your life very difficult. I was not ready ever, i never ready to meet him. Because I was afraid. I said, Jesus and me, we are friends. We are brothers. Let's get together. Me and the Holy Spirit, we, this is quite high, man. I'm going to come down. <laughs> you know, I'm, me and Jesus, you know, we are great. We are brothers. Me and the Holy Spirit, we have fun. That's wonderful. Father, I'm not sure. Everything that had been painted to me, angry, distant, God was impatient, is ready to wake you up. In fact, you have a book in heaven, keeping a record of all your wrongdoing. Maybe you have a DVD or Netflix or whatever you have. It's recording everything that you are not doing. That every wrong thing that you are doing is recording that when you come up, you're going to be accountable. He's going to beat you up. That's the gospel I preached to me. Man, I was not ready to meet that angry, distant God. Because I had an angry, distant father in my own family very passive and distant. I say, if that's going to be Father, I don't want anything to do with me. I say, I hide behind Jesus. Jesus, you take care of him, the angry guy. I don't have dared to meet him. But things began to change in 2005. I realized, you know, I had a fellowship with Jesus. I had a personal encounter with Jesus that changed my life. And every one of you had that. Is that right? You had a, I had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed the way I live my Christian life. And you do. Is that right? But what I did have, I did not have a personal encounter with the Father. I see him as a positional person up there. But Paul says, we have a fellowship with the, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with the Father. Is that right? 
Sometimes we hear it as a benediction in the church. If you come from evangelical church, end of the service, we speak a benediction over your life. The fellowship, you know, the Holy Spirit and, and the grace, you know, and the love of the Father be upon you. I had experienced Jesus. I've experienced the Father, sorry, experienced the Holy Spirit, but I never had fellowship with the Father. That means my Christian life, as a minister, as a preacher, as a trainer for missionaries. So what kind of thing I trained? What kind of thing I preached? See, only give it to people what you have. And what I received, what was passed on to me for generation. We did not know who God is. We don't know who Father is. We know Jesus. And we build our, you know, we, I believe everything in my life is about Jesus. Everything about my life is the Holy Spirit. Everything about my life is the Father. Today I can stand with you and I can say boldly, as much I can, I have a fellowship with Jesus. As much I can, I have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In the same way, as much I can, I have a fellowship with the Father. And that's what we want to share with you today. We want to share with you so we can have a fellowship together. As First John says, I want to share with you what I've touched it. I want to share with you what I, my eyes have seen. I want to share with you what I've experienced so we may have a fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, without having a fellowship with the Father, you are like a two-legged chair. You know the chair with the two legs? It's always wobbly. You cannot sit properly. Is that right? And my Christian life has been too late, too, come on, help me English. Two legged chair. Two legged chair. That's what English is there, you know. <laughs> two legged chair, you know. And my Christian life has been sitting on two legged chair that you always need to balance. Some of us have been so tired of balancing this life. If you're honest, you can say that. And some of us are just doing the routine of it. We are tired. If, if, if you're honest like me, I say I'm fed up being Christian. Because this two-legged is so much of balancing need to do. So much. I need to sit properly in case I'll fall, you know. I need to, I need to manage this. What is right? But when you have the three legs, you can sit comfortably in any position you want to sit. You still will be comfortable. See, we're not talking about something new. We are talking about something that we have lost. Father is restoring back to the church and what we have lost. And I realized this. I want to read this scripture. This was, it was such a wonderful scripture. I thought I know Jesus. I thought I know Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 verse 27. And this is what Jesus said. This is his own word. He says, 27, he said, I think it's in the Bible, isn't it? He said here, all these things have been given, uh, handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son. You see, I thought I know the Son. Maybe some of us say that I know Jesus. I've been walking with him for 30 years or 50 years. Let me say this. No one knows the Son the way the Father knows the Son. 
If you really want to know who Jesus is, you really not know who his father is. Without knowing the father, you only have information about Jesus. Information will look us, make us look very smart, and we are smart. I've been a very smart Christian for a long time. I can debate on theology. I can argue with people. I always win argument because I speak loud. <laughs> I always win argument because I'm very aggressive. I always win argument because I know how to manipulate people. It does not mean I have a substance of what I say. You see here, Jesus said, no one knows the Son except the Father. See, I was trying to understand Jesus using my here, my knowledge, books, and someone's opinion. Many books are someone's opinion, you know that? See, opinion's just opinion, so you can have opinion about someone else's opinion. What the scripture says was that the Word was with the Father, with God, and the Word become flesh. Is that right? It's not become opinion, it's not become a philosophy, it's not become a, 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 a theological study. It's become a flesh and dwell among us and we have seen the glory of God. See, when you see that Jesus become part of you, you begin to see him, understand him, the way Father understand him, there's a glory in your life. Not opinion, not idea, not a religion, not a method, not a principle, not argument. It's become a reality, it's become a substance that changes within. Then he said, this is the word of Jesus, he said then, he said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chose to reveal him. See, what I want from Jesus is that give me the revelation of casting out demons. Give me understanding of power. Give me understanding of healing. Give me understanding of speaking in tongues. Give me understanding of prophecy. Give me this and give me this and give me that. But what the desire of Jesus, the reason Jesus came to this world to reveal the Father to us. To reveal the Father to us. Say without the revelation of what Jesus came to this world to reveal, we only have ideas and opinion. Let me say this to you. Every gift that we have will pass away. I have built, I still believe in gifting. I speak in tongues. Maybe I speak more than more than I speak every day in my walk. I speak in tongues, not only in the church, I speak everywhere. You know, I, I believe in prophecy. I believe in casting. I believe, I believe this is my life. I believe in them. But I am totally convinced and I will con you know, convince what the scripture says. This will pass away. But something that will not pass is love. See, when we talk about love, we are talking about emotion. No, it's not. When we talk about love, we are talking about nice, nice feeling. It's not. Love is not a feeling, nor is not emotion. Love is not emotion. Love is substance. Love is a, is a person. Love is a person. His name is God. God is love. God 
is love. See, when Jesus came to this world, he came to reveal the love that we think as a concept, but actually it's a substance. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. How many of you believe in you know, led by the Spirit? Yeah? yeah? Right? The reason I asked you that because the pastor didn't give me a time. So <laughs> the sermon will be led by the Spirit, so we'll go back home tomorrow morning. <laughs> Are you ready for it? Oh, we say, oh, be led by the Spirit, but according to our watch. <laughs> right. So let me, let me take you back to the basic of what the scripture is all about. I, what I want to share with you today is my own journey of coming to the realization of what is Christian life mean. What is Christian life mean? See, for me, what was presented to me was Christian life is what you do, what you don't do. And somehow I began to realize, for me, being a Christian for a long time, in the ministry, you know, I just counted, been ministry more for 30 years, something like that. That's a long time. And what had been presented to me was it's just an act that he put on. Behavior modification. Behavior modification. You know what? I'm just fed up of acting. Because nobody give me a watch. So what's the point acting? I want to be real. So here in John chapter 3, I want to take us back to the basic thing that we believe in the scripture. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Take your hand and put it on your heart. Put it on your heart. I just want to bless us this turning this morning. Father, I want to thank you that you are here right now with us. Right now with us. Father, you have sent your son Jesus to reveal to us who you are really. Not to give us a, a religion, but to give us a relationship that we lost. To restore that back to you again. Father, we are not here to listen to someone's ideas, opinions, philosophy. Father, we are here to meet life. Life. That's, that was in you that you give it to your son, that your son has given to us. Father, we want that. Father, this morning that you restore to us the joy of salvation. Father, you know each one of us. You know us well. Pray that you restore us this morning. Restore everything that religion has stolen from us. Restore everything that the world and, and the principles and, the, and, and opinions have been stolen from us. We ask for restoration this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So John, John chapter 3 verse um, 16 to 18. I'm going to read it and I'm going to read it again twice. It says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, to whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world in order that, through, that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him condemned already, because he is not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. We know the scriptures, is that right? Let me read it again. For love so loved the world that he gave his only manifestation, 
that whoever believes in him should not be perished, but have eternal life. That is Dato's version of the scripture. For love, see, we say that God, when you say God, you put it somewhere up there. God is love. Is that right? See, somehow when we read the scriptures, even though it says, for love so loved the world, when we read the scriptures, we see, for Jesus loved the world so much, and Jesus gave himself. That's our interpretation of the scripture. Somehow we think, because Jesus loved him very much, and he died on the cross for you. Let me say this to you. Jesus did not die on the cross because he loved you. Don't go away. <laughs> Jesus did not, die on, did, did, did not die on the cross because he loved you. There's something deeper reality than this. We are not seen yet. We are not seen yet. See, somehow when we read the scripture, it says, For Jesus loved the world and he gave himself. That's what we think. That's what our opinion is. But what the scripture said was, for love, loved the world, loved the world so much. And he gave the manifestation of himself. That is his son. So Jesus came because he loved him. He realized what the heartbeat of the father. He realized the cry of the father. As the prophet says, who can you know? hear God's conversation in heaven and say, who can I send? Who will go behalf of me? And the same way Jesus hear the heartbeat of the father. And he says, father say, who will go and represent me clearly? The prophets have gone. They just brought the message. Thou say, that says the Lord. The judges say came and brought the word of God. But no one able to represent, no one able to manifest the Father. So Jesus came not just to give us a religion. He came to manifest who God is. God the Father is. Fully manifest. So the question was me for me was that, when I see Jesus, what I really see? See, I saw miracles. I saw a great preacher. I saw someone who walk, in the, walk on the water. Someone who cast out demon. That's what I saw. But he didn't see who he really is. See, he did all these things because the father he had. His father enabled him to do all the things that he did. So you want to be like Jesus, you need to have the same father that Jesus had. You need to have the same father that Jesus had. You need to be fathered by the same father that Jesus was fathered. Amen. Even though in this world, his father was Joseph, but he was not fathered by Joseph into, the, into, the, into his sonship. He was fathered by his real father. Do you know he is your real father? Yeah. Our mom and dad are just a babysitters. <laughs> they try all their best to parent us or father us. And everything they learn, they learn from their parents. And everything their parents learn, they're from their parents. And you look back, it's all brokenness. We don't know what has really been parented by our Heavenly Father. See, salvation is not going to heaven 
salvation is right now, today, to be parented by your heavenly Father. Right now. See, some of us, there's a totally different concept. We don't we know what that means. See, through him, every family driven to the name, take the name Father, what is Father mean? Being fathered by him. He says, for love so loved the world, he gave his only manifestation. Whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, should not perish, but he have eternal life. Let me say this. When I use the word love, please, I'm not saying you what you may be thinking. All right? Sometimes when I say something, people have different understanding of what I'm saying. I'm not talking about universalism. Is that right? I even don't know what is that. I don't care about that. <laughs> I'm not interested in all these things. And I'm interested in what the Bible says, what my father says. What my gene, my brother, my Jesus have said, why the Holy Spirit have said, all right? I'm not into that, any of that. Just to make that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Let me say it again. Do not hear what I'm not saying. Do not hear not the what the Holy Spirit is not saying to you. Verse 17, it says, For love did not send his son or his manifestation into this world to condemn the world. Man, I used to be a pastor of a church. The church didn't grow very much. You know what? I had a great prophetic gift. I can tell what's sin in people's life. What's wrong with them? <coughs> Amazing prophetic gift. You know what? You know you have a prophetic gift to tell people what's wrong with them. <laughs> right? They already know what's wrong with them. That's why they come to church, to find peace, find rest, find sense of acceptance. The church never grew. Never grew. Let me tell you, I realize that's my, my gift. I'm not called to judge. They know love did not send his son, his manifestation to condemn the world. You see, I live under such a huge issue of condemnation in my life as a Christian. As a Christian. Not as a non-believer. I live with a non-believer with a huge condemnation of guilt. When I become a Christian, I still carry that. Because religion has given me a measuring stick. Says, this is what Christian means. The funny thing is that every denomination has a different stick to measure you. <laughs> but I have an issue because I travel all denomination, all nation, all culture, and everyone who give me a stick, I said, I don't want, any, I don't want anybody's stick. I'm fed up of carrying sticks and measuring myself to, to, to perform according to that. So the measuring sticks that you have in our life, some of the measuring sticks that we have is given by our mom and dad. Some of the measuring sticks that you carry around is invisible. You have seen the old TV series, Invisible Man? How many of you have seen that? I love that. You know, the guy take off his shirt and his pants just disappear. I thought, man, I want to be that invisible man. You know, I want because I, I want I want to you know, disappear because there's so much of expectation, there's so much of demand of performance. I want to disappear actually. And say, here it says, Father did not send his son to condemn the world, but in order the the world might be saved through him. So it says the world might be saved through him, not from sin, but from condemnation. The thing is that our sins already been forgiven 2,000 years ago. 
Let me say this a little further. Your sin has been forgiven long, 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 long before cross. Father already planned to take care of your sin. Your sin doesn't bother you, but it bothers us. My sin doesn't bother God, but it bothers me. He brings guilt and guilt into my life, so I want to get. I want to stop doing that. But for God's perspective, you know, compassion and repentance. Sorry, let me say this: forgiveness is pre-exist before repentance and confession. You know that. In our religious thing, we have created confession prayer. You have to confess your sin to be forgiven. Let me ask you this. Have you, have you confessed all your sin? Have you confessed all your sin, even right now, the sin you're committing right now? Right now? Maybe you think, what this black guy is talking about? I didn't understand him. I can preach better than him. I think that's something you do. I do that. I do that. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself. See, somehow we have this expectation and say you need to be perfect to be loved by God. I have learned this. Perfection is illusion. It's not real. It's magic. We perform that very well. We perform that very well. See, what is God looking for is not a perfection. What is God looking for is a reality being real. See, God doesn't love the performing, for putting, God doesn't love the dance who perform. God loves the dance that is real, that is within me. You see, huh? if, your, if your life that is within you does not match with the life that you're living, you know, your action and you are different, you know, the real you, you can see him in the house with your wife, with your children, when you're alone. And the real does not match the way you live your life every day. That means you're not whole. You're not complete. You're just pretending. So Jesus said, but he said, Jesus said, the Father did not send me to this world to condemn the world, but through me, through him, the world may be saved from condemnation. You see, I lived through my life as a Christian for many years with sense of a Christian. I say a Christian as a Christian, a, a condemnation. And my thing was that I'm not praying enough to be loved by God. I'm not like the other person. I'm not reading the Bible enough. I'm not preaching the gospel enough. I'm not, not involving the church enough. I'm not going to the nation enough. I'm not giving enough. It's all about what I'm not doing. And somehow I see that what I'm not doing, I feel condemned because I'm not good enough. You know where this comes from? The sense of not good enough. You know where that comes from? In every one of our heart, there is sense deep in our heart, we feel you are not good enough. You are not good enough to be loved. I'm not a good mother. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good... If we always be compare with other, other, other people and we say we are not good like them. The sense that we feel we are not good enough. You know where that comes from? See, when God created Adam and Eve... And God created mankind, the male and female. And before that, he created the trees and you know, the sun and the moon and everything. He said, it's good. It's good. 
and it's good. Is that right? Then he created Adam and Eve, and they are totally naked, and he says they are very, very good. They are totally naked, and he said to them, very, very, very good. He said, that's where we begin our journey. When God looks at us, he says, you are very, 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 very good. He never stops seeing the goodness of God within you. The good personality that you have, the good gifting that you have, the good caring heart that you have, the good generosity heart that you have, the good loving heart that you have, God sees that because he has put that within you. You are good more than what you can imagine of yourself. You know why? Because perfect love created you and formed you. Perfect love created you and perfect love cannot make anything is not good. Only thing he says is not good man to be is not good for man to be alone. The thing is that to be alone. What he's saying is that loneliness is not good for you. Loneliness is not good for us. You know that? You know, there are things that I get involved in my life as a minister. You know, I got into sin, I got into addiction, I got into a porn addiction in my life as a minister. And my, one of the reasons I went into that, because that is a lonely place of my life. I want to go somewhere else to be lonely, where I drink from a bitter river, bitter well. God says it's not good to be alone. For any one of us, it's not good to be alone. He says it's not good. So God created man, Adam and Eve, in his own image, in his own likeness. Can you imagine? You are in his own image, in his own likeness. He must be very good and more than what you think. And they ate the tree from the tree from the God said, Don't eat from this tree. And the reason you don't eat, because if you eat the tree from this tree, from the fruit from the tree, you will have a knowledge saying this is not good. That's the knowledge they got. The knowledge they have is that this is good and this is bad. You know, we are not created to have the knowledge what is good and what is not good. But everything in our life, even in, our, in the body of Christ, even our theology established about what is good, what is not good. And we think good is loving, good is right. God say, I don't want you to know even what is good. It's not about good, it's about love. Yeah, you can be so right. You remember that day you had an argument with your wife, you're so right. But you realize you're totally wrong. You remember that? You're not going to say, yeah, I'm not, I understand. I understand that. You had an argument with your husband, you thought you won the argument, but you realize you're totally messed up with your children. We think it's good means right, good means loving. No, it's not. <laughs> Today we fight for right, what is good. You know, it's very much humanistic idea of what is right. You know, the justice of God is beyond our imagination. You know that? We are very much called into this, called into the human perspective of Christian life, and we begin to stake this humanity and human view of God, and we begin to put on that, and we see God through our own opinions of Him. 
that God is wanting to take us to his world and we begin to see everything from his view. So God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat that. Don't eat. I don't want you to know. I don't want you to eat and uh, with the knowledge of what is good and what is bad. You know what? I used to, I still have that. I still have that. I have a very, I've created a very a good taste bud of what is good, what is bad. I'm addicted to that because I'm eating this food for long, 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 long time. It is passed on to my great-grandparents, to my grandparents, to my father, and to me, to my education, you know, from my nationality, my politics, my, the area I grew up, my denomination I grew up. I am at such at a buffet of what is good and what is bad. I'm addicted to it. It's kind of now I have a withdrawal syndrome, you know. Like you see something, you don't know what to do, you know, because you are used to that. And God said, don't do that. You are not created for that. You are not created for that. So that's why we think God as a judge and we think him as a good and bad. So we judge and say, what is good? What is acceptable? You know what is acceptable before God? It's you. It's not what you do. It's you. It's your life. And the life the way you are right now, not the way that you wanted to be. You know why? Nobody living their life the way they wanted to live their life. We all miss, we all fall short from the glory of God. But He's still loving us. He never changed. So God said to them, Don't eat from the knowledge of good. And so we did. And after that, God came and He said to Adam, Adam, where are you? And He said to Oh, I'm hiding. He said, when they say, no, what happened? He said, I am naked. I was sprayed and I was hiding. You know, they just a verse before that, chapter 2, the last word in Genesis said, they are naked, but they are no shame. Is that right? They are naked, but there was no shame. But what happened is that when they ate the fruit, shame have come into our heart. And what have come into our heart is that something in us is not good. You see, the issue of feeling we are not good, enough, good in, we are not good, it's not an issue today. It's been there, always been there from the fall. Feeling that you are not good enough to meet God the way you are. Feeling that I'm not good enough to meet God with my nakedness. Feeling, feeling that I'm not good enough to go to God with my mess. Uh, feeling that I'm not good enough to go to God with my mess up pam pampers, is that what it's called? Nappy? <laughs> Diaper? You know what we say to God? Just hold on, God. Let me all, all hold on. Hold on. I'll come to you. Let me go and wash up myself. You say, let me hold on, hold on. Let me go and you know, do what the things I do. Let me go and pray more. Let me go and read more. Let me go and preach the gospel more. So that you can love. Let me tell you this. His love for you is not for sale. You can't buy that in a you know, come down, or you can't buy that in a safe, you know, safe on food, is it? You can't buy that. It's not for sale. It's a free gift. You see, many of us, we are on, I have earned, I, I earned it. Let me fix it. Let me do it better. Then you can love me. Each time I did that, I said, because I did that, God loved me. You know what they call? They call self-righteousness. And that's what Adam and Eve tried to do. They realized when they ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, they had a knowledge and said, this is not good. It's not good for me to be naked. 
Who told you that? That's why Father asked him. You know, Father, you know, Father, they asked Adam, who told you that you are naked? Who told you that? Who told you it's not good to be honest? Who told you that you should not be real with your heart? Who told you that you need to put an act? Who told you you need to pretend? Who told you that you need to you know, present yourself acceptable to people? Who told you that? That's what Father was asking. That's who told you that? Who told you that you need to be perfect? Who told you you need to be sinless to be loved by me? Say, while I was a sinner, he loved me. He gave his only begotten son. Not just a bit, with everlasting love, with all the love that he had for me, he loved it. But somehow I began to try to earn it. He says, it's not for, he cannot pay that. It's already been paid for. See, one of the things that we have in our humanity is that we don't like to get things for free. I remember, you know, uh, I don't know about you guys, and I had an argument with my wife, and uh, I said, you know, she was crying, and I went to my, you know, God says, say, Father, please forgive me, I did it again. Please forgive me, I did it again. I sinned again, so I hurt my wife, she's crying. Has that happened in your family? Not in Canada, maybe. You know, but <laughs> I was crying. I said, Father, please forgive me. And I dear Father was saying to me this many years ago. Father said to me, Das, it's all right. I forgive everyone. And I said, no, 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 no. Please, please forgive me. <laughs> and he said, I, I'm sorry, Dan. He said, no, please, Lord, please. And I was expecting him to beat me a little bit here. <laughs> Just one, one cane, you know, one, one rotan. I want to pay for my mistake. I want to pay for it. You see, we all want to pay for it, but we know we can't pay for it. So you want to work hard to pay for it, and you work hard, you still can't pay for it, and you still work so hard to pay for it. And somebody like me comes and says, you don't need to pay for it, and something in our heart, it offends us. Don't make Christian life so light. That's why people tell me, don't make Christian life so simple. If it's not simple, it's not life of God. Let me tell you this. Jesus came as a man, as a human being. You know why? To make Christian life simple. <laughs> man, I've been to meetings and conferences. The guy talk about from Hebrew and Greek and you know whatever else he speaks. I don't understand. But I have to pretend I understand because I've taken notes I should understand. <laughs> so God said to them, and he said, who told you? What they said, I was so afraid. You see, when sin comes into our heart, something in our heart literally has shifted, and what it says is that something wrong with me, and I have to fix it by myself. You know, we got this term, I think, I, I, I like this. You know, I, not I like that, but I like what you guys, North America have. And he's coming to Malaysia too now, just to let you know. Everything you guys create, we get it there later. You know, the, the thing called D. DIY? Is that right? Do it yourself? What do you call? DIY. DIY. Is that right? Do it yourself? Man, I get into that too. It's like I want to fix my problem. I want to fix my shame. I want to fix my issue of condemnation. I want to fix my guilt. I want to fix my sense of faith. I want to fix it. DIY. Something in our humanity fallen us. They say, I need to be independent. I want to be away from God to fix my problem. Then I can go and I can present myself as accepted by God. 
know they're not working, is that right? You know it's not working? It's not working. But we try hard. As a harder we try, as a bitter we come. As a harder we try, the further we go. You see, they try hard. They realize there's something wrong with what happened to them in Adam and Eve through the sin. Something in their heart began to fall and they said, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. There's an issue of condemnation has come into their heart. And God said, I'm going to send my son to free you from the issue of condemnation. This is the true gospel. The Father's son, love sent his manifestation to send us. He says, the thing he says, you know, whoever does not believe in him, he already condemned. That means the issue of humanity, the seven point some billion people in the world, that our fallenness says we are condemned, not by God, by own action, we have this issue of condemnation in our heart. And you carry that. And the whole thing we say that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Another thing is that, I don't know about you, when my father shouted at me when I do something wrong, my mom said, shouted at me when I did something wrong, I would say, I'll be a good boy, I'll be a good boy. Remember you saying to yourself, saying to your mom, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. Is that right? See, something in our heart from childhood, we want to be good. Because what we presented to us was, you're not good. You're not good enough. And we live in a, such a condemnation in our heart, believing we are not good enough. And here it says in John, it says, you know, it says he sent his son to not to condemn the world, but through him you'll be saved from condemnation. Why do I say that? Verse 18, whoever believes in his son, whoever believes in his son in his manifestation is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of his only son, that is Jesus Christ. The interesting thing was this. He says, whoever believed in his son, that is Jesus Christ, whoever believed in him, he is free from condemnation. Is that right? And the question to me was two years ago, was that why I still feel condemned? I believe in Jesus. I cast out demons. I prophesy. I speak in tongues. I pray for people, even in the Father Heart Ministry, I pray for people, people have been touched by the love of the Father, but something deep within still feel I'm not good enough. An issue of condemnation. And I began to ask, what do I really believe? He says, whoever believes in his son, he are free from condemnation. You know what I realized? I believe more in myself, in my ability to be right, than what he have done for me. Because that's what religion has presented to me. It's about my ability to be right. My ability to do things right. And I realize each time I try, I fail. I had more faith in myself than in God. You know what I used to say? You know, we live by faith. We know we don't get salary to do, you know, from part of ministry. We do. People are very generous. They bless us. And before I was a missionary, and we don't have that much, I know there are times I... Uh, I have to trust God for $10 to buy milk for my children because they just milk, they'll cry. There's no clothes for them. We just give everything that we have. We gave it for ministry and our children paid high costs for living in nothing for many years. So I will tell this and I prayed. I said, I prayed God answered. 
God began to speak to me, Dad, so it's about you praying. And I used to have more faith in prayer than in him. <laughs> prayer does not change anything. God changed everything. See, we have this false belief system. Prayer changes everything. It's all about what you do. Do I believe in prayer? Absolutely. I pray more than ever. But it's not about what I do. It's not about my prayer change everything. It's my connection with his heart changes everything. Not externally, but internally. I may not have the finances that I need. I may not have the health that I wanted. I may not have the house that I wanted. I may not have all the things that I'm asking for. I may not have all that, but I already have it here. Know what I have it here? Contentment. You know what I have it here? It's okay. My father is almighty God. He's happened to be the almighty God. He's going to take care of it. And I this my prayer to the Father. I say, Father, I'm your son. I know you love me very much. I know I'm not a perfect son, <laughs> but I am one. To know who your father is really, he changes everything. To have more faith in my prayer life than in the life of God and then in him. It's all about what I have to do. You see, you can't change God because he's, he's never changed. <laughs> you can't change God to stop him loving you. Now, can I say that? I say that out of my own experiences. I had some glorious failures in my life, and my organization said, Das, you're not fit to be a minister. You're not fit to be a leader anymore. You have to step down. You have to resign everything. You just need to go back and start back again. Prove to us that you are good enough. Prove to us that you are good enough to be trusted again. Absolutely right. In this, in this world that we live, it's absolutely okay. But that's not what God's expectation on me. In my brokenness, in my failures, you know, I've just been kicked out. And, and in a way, that is the right thing for them to do. There's no judgment against them. But for me, it was everything turned. I was feeling lonely. And I went back to the little boy that I was before I became a Christian, the broken little boy. And Father came to me and he said, Das, I still love you. I still love you. I said to Father, he said, just hold on, hold on. Let me go and fix everything better. Let me go and pray more. Let me go and do ministry more. Let me go and win more souls. Let me do this more so you can love me. And he said to me, Das, you cannot stop me loving you. You know that? I want that to be deep in your, written deep in your heart today. Nothing that you can do can stop God loving you. But it may stop you receiving his love. But it doesn't stop him loving you. Let me say that again. What you do may stop you. Unforgiveness may stop you. Bitterness may stop you. Rebellion may stop you. You can close your heart but he never stopped loving you. He is the ever-present God. Isn't that right? He is love himself. And I say, God, let me go and prove to me that I'm good enough. You can love me more. And he says, Thus, I have loved you with my everlasting love. You cannot make me to love you more because all 
lavish on you. I'll really lavish on you. You know what that gave me? That gave me a freedom to be me. Be real. Real me. You know, one of the greatest things that happened to me was that God began to set me free from issue of condemnation. See, Paul says this in the book of Romans. He says, for those, you know, for those who are believe in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, that is not an Old Testament scripture. Paul never grew up learning that. That was not part of a Jewish teaching. That is not part of Old Testament teaching. But Paul lived as a very, very strong religious man and he wanted to fix what is wrong with him through his religious affection. Try to do the right thing. He was the best, you know, uh, 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 in his time, he was the best student in, 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 the, in, the, in the teaching of the Old Testament. He's flawless. And he did everything right, but deep within him, he tried to fix himself, the wrong that he felt. He wanted to fix it through religious activity. Then he told the man the other side, it's almost like he missed the line, he came to the other side, he became a murderer. He was there when John, Stephen was stoned, he was there saying, come on, do it guys, give me a certificate, I'll go and burn the church, I'll put them in prison. He enjoyed doing it. He had messed up many ways. He carried guilt and condemnation in his life, but something happened, he began to experience, it says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. That is a huge revelation for me. Because as a Christian, I live with condemnation of what I have done in past. Of my failures. Of my sin. Of all the things that I have done through my addiction. I live with, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't go there. I wish I didn't say this. And it's such, I wish, I wish, I wish. You know what, today, I don't wish anything anymore. I just want to enjoy the grace that is available for me today. The grace I have for me today is today. And today God is saying, I love you. There is no condemnation. Jesus came to this world to set us free from condemnation. Whoever believes in him, he is free from condemnation. What, step, Paul, what stops us to come into intimate relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is the issue of condemnation. Father saying to us, I free you. Not from sin, because we all will be tempted in many ways. Is that right? Maybe you're going to sin. Maybe when you leave here, you're going to sin. You're going to get upset with the guy who overtaking you. Is that right? I'm not giving you permission to sin. Let me say that. <laughs> the thing is that we are more, that the body of Christ is more conscious, conscious more, more aware of sin issue than God issue. We are more aware of what we are doing wrong than what God has done for us. See, when you move to earth, hello, I'm busy right now. You know, move to earth where God is. You know, when you move to earth where God is, and you are free from condemnation, and sin will fall apart. Will not have a, a, a authority over you. Will not have a, a power over you. The greatest sin that we believe is that we are not good enough. The greatest sin that we believe that God is not good. That's the greatest lie the enemy put in our life. You cannot be loved. You cannot be accepted. You cannot be in a gift to do this because you're not good enough. That's the greatest lie the enemy has put to us. And it's been spoken our life from our family, from our grandparents, from our nations, from our theology, from our, you know, just been 
grounded in our heart. And Father wanted to break that out today. And he wanted to be free. He said, if the son set you free, you are free indeed. Amen. You know what son came to set you free from? He came to set you free from condemnation. <laughs> and he said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God is not angry judge waiting there to condemn you, to judge you. He is in love himself. He began to manifest his love through his son to you. If you really want to know the Father, if you really want to know Jesus well, you need to know who the Father is. If you really want to know who, you know who the Father is, you really need to know Jesus. Really beyond the ministry and what he said, what he did as a person. Put it in your heart today. Just put your hand in your heart. We pray. I want to ask you today, what is it in your life that have been the guilt that you're carrying? Maybe the guilt that you're carrying, that's something you did when you were a teenager. Maybe something you have done in your life. Maybe through a relationship. Maybe you broke someone's heart. What are the guilt that you're carrying in your life? Maybe you have failed. Even right now, maybe you're addicted to some things in your life. Maybe there can be a and nobody knows, but you knows, and God is not here to embarrass you, to expose you. He knows that. When the pain comes into your heart, you run somewhere. Maybe they can be like me, running to the pond. Maybe you're carrying the guilt, you're a Christian, you speak in tongues, you do all these things, but something in your heart, the anger that is really saying to you, you're not good enough, you're, 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 you're always messing up, you're not always, you know, you're always not getting there, you're not keeping up with the measurement. God is saying to us today, break the stick of measuring stick that you're carrying. Maybe they, who told you that? Maybe your mom has given to you. Maybe your father has given to you. This is what good means. Good means to be nice. You know what? Good is not being nice. Good means to be real. Maybe some of you try to be nice. Too nice. But it's not real. Because he wants to be nice. God don't want you to be nice. God wants you to be real. He wants you to be you. The real you can be very uncomfortable for you. But Father is very comfortable with the real you. And he says, will you allow me to come into that real you? Because I love the real you. Not the mask. Not the performance. Not the makeup. Not the dress up. Not the wealth. Not the house. Not the car you drive. It's you. It's not what people say about you. It's you that I love. Right now, your heavenly father is loving on you. Loving on you. He knows your heart. You know the, the pain that you carry in your life. That you cried many times in your room. You just don't know who to tell. Even to your, to your, your, your husband and your wife, you, you cannot be honest because such a fear. If she know this, if he know that, how you treat me? How, what is going to happen? Father is saying to you, no one able to handle, but I can. You can be real to me. There is no secret that I can't handle. There is no sin that I cannot wash. I'm here for you today. You know, to live under condemnation. The Father himself, the Father himself has sent his son to set you free from condemnation. 
maybe some of you feel you are not good like other people. You know what? You're never going to be good like other people because you are good in your own uniqueness. Some of you measuring with the other people. I want to be like that worship leader. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that preacher. I want to be like that that I wish I have that father. I wish I have that 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 man as my wife. I, husband, I wish that I have this family. You're wishing because there you are, you feel condemned, you feel you're not good. And Father is saying to you, let me come in. Let my goodness come into your life. I am good. I am good. The only thing I see in each one of us, the only thing that I see in you, my daughter, you are good. Who told you? Who told you that you're ugly? Who told you that you're ugly? Who told you you're not beautiful enough? The Father is saying to you, that your Father is saying to you, I love you. I have created you in my own image, in my own likeness. You are my glory. And who told you that if you don't play game well, you're not good enough? You were not able to get the dead job, the good job, you're not good enough. If you do not have the dead house, the good house, you're not good enough. You're not a good father, you're not a good provider. Who told you that? Your father is saying to you, my son, you are good. All the goodness of me is I put within you. You are good. I don't see you as a failure. I don't see you as someone is enabled. I see you as a perfect person and I love you. He sent his son to set us free from condemnation. So whatever that for you today, can we just stand up together? Would you be okay with me? Just stand up together. And I wanted to imagine, I wanted to imagine that, that all in your imagination, all the things in your hand, like this, all the things in your hand, like what is that been condemning you? All the things that been telling you are not good. Just hold it in your hand like this. Right? Don't worry about what people, every one of us has something in our hand. If you say, I don't have, maybe that's what you're carrying. Maybe you should bring that. Because there's every one of us struggles with this. And just bring it back to the Father. In your own ways, just say to him, Father, I laid that down today. I let it go. That's not my identity. That's not me that you created me to be. Just release it. Just take it out and just release it right now. Jesus came to take that away from you. Your Father sent his son to take that away from you. Just give it to him. Give it to him. You no need to carry that anymore. No need to carry that anymore. You are free. If the son set you free, you are free right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. The father is setting you free. You are free. You are free from condemnation. You are free from condemnation. The son set you free. You are free indeed. Right now. Right now. Free from depression, free from condemnation, free from guilt. 
Right now, some of you, you feel like you're in a dark hole. You know what Father is saying to you, that I'm coming to that hole to rescue you from there. For many years, you're saying, let me climb up. Let me do all I can to climb up from this hole so you can embrace me. And Father is saying to you, I'm coming with you to the hole, the dark hole that you're in. I want to come in and love you there. I want to love you there. I want to love you there. He went to the house of Zacchaeus. was a tax collector, herded by everybody. He feel it's not good enough. He said, I will come to your house. Where you stay, I come. <laughs> Where you are, I come. I will come to your dark places of your life. To love you. Not to change you. To love you. Father, thank you for loving on us right now. Cross this room. Thank you, Father, for pouring your love and setting the captives free. You are free. I speak freedom over your life right now. In Jesus' name, be free. Free from the bondage that we put and the yoke that we put upon you, from the system of the world, from the theological belief, from the opinions of people. You are free. You are free. You are free. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving on us right now. Thank you, Father, for freedom that you have created us. Father, help us not to give that away easily by the philosophies of the people, by opinions of people, by ideas of people. Stand firm in your freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.